Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies. And today, my guest is director Tom DiNucci. And we're going to be talking about his brand new film entitled The Collective. And it is a fun movie. I'm looking forward to talking to you about this movie, Tom. So welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me be here today. I can't wait to talk collective with you. Anxious to talk to you about The Collective, for sure, for sure. Before I even go anywhere, I'm just going to tell you, I see a sequel. On the horizon. There could be other missions that need to be had down the Uh, road, absolutely. I think so. I definitely think so. Let's tell the audience what The Collective is all about. The Collective is about a group of secret assassins, but they're assassins on the good side of the business. And what they do is they target these really twisted, sick, powerful billionaires that are seemingly above the law. People that are corrupt and law enforcement might be on their side. Well, they get a particular, a special brand of justice dished out from the collective. Very good synopsis without giving too much away, (laughs) which I like. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So how did this film come to you? How did you get involved in this project? I got a call from a really great friend of mine. He's like a brother, uh, Richard Switzer, who I've collaborated with on many projects. He's the producer on this film. And he called me and he said, Tommy, I got this script and I've done some crime dramas. I've done some horror movies. I've never done a traditional action movie. So I got this action script, but I think you're going to like a lot of the elements in it. And I read it and I was like, ooh, you know, it's an action movie, but it's got some horrifying elements. It's got some crime drama elements. It had a lot of the ingredients that I'm accustomed to cooking with. So I said, oh, I could, I could do something kind of different with this and this would be a great chance to it's a great story to tell for my very first action movie and you know what from the very beginning it just keeps you i mean you know not every movie when you start to watch it keeps you that interested over the long haul and this one does it's really interesting characters and quite a bit of good action in the film you kind of based this sort of on 90s movies is that correct when i was doing my research yeah this is my love letter to the 90s action movies that i grew up watching that you know i feel like sometimes today, and I'm not pointing any fingers, but I think sometimes action movies today, they get a little caught up in kind of convoluting the storylines with a lot of different subplots that really aren't super meaningful. Whereas what I loved about this script, where it was just all about the mission and it drives like a train and there's it avoids a lot of the cliches that these movies get into sometimes where the hero needs to, you know, has some romantic interest that he's trying to save or something like that. We took all that cliche stuff and we kind of threw it out the door and we just focused on the mission, and hey, if this secret organization of assassins really did exist, how would they operate? You know, you can try and go from a place of realism as much as you can, even though the idea itself is a little bit out there. Right, right, exactly. So you've got a really interesting cast in this film, and let's talk a little bit about each one. I mean, Don Johnson, I mean, you know, he's always great, I think, you know, and he was perfectly cast in this role. So how did you attract Don Johnson to this? And then we'll get into the other um, actors that you have in this film? Well, Don Johnson was brought on by, uh, you know, the production company, brought on by Richard Switzer, brought on by Yale Productions, Jordan Levine. And it's just one of those things where, you know, Don's a legend. And working with somebody like that, uh, it's just a real special opportunity. And I had the privilege of directing Don in a movie called Vault back in 2019, which is a a 
mafia movie, a crime drama. And I'll yes. admit, I was, you know, it was only my, one of my first movies coming up and I was a little nervous. I was a little intimidated by Don, you know? You want to come correct when you're working with a guy like Don. So it was great to like get all those nerves out on my last movie and on this movie we had worked together, we had built a rapport, it's all hugs and all right, let's do it again. So uh, it was really fun to work with Don and, and I think that, you know, obviously he's a super talented actor but it's really nice to see him utilize just a little bit of snarkiness and a little bit of comedy. There's a, right. some really subtle comedy that he showcases in this movie. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, for lack of a better word, he just kind of grounds the cast. Yeah, I agree with you and I was going to bring up the fact that there, he's kind of the comedic relief in a way in this film and I love and I'm not going to give anything away the little Easter egg that you planted. There might be a Miami Vice yes. Easter egg. Yes. Be on the lookout for it. Well, you gave it away. <laughs> I was trying to be, you know, surreptitious about that. I'm, <laughs> I'm using it as a selling point. There I want to get all the Miami Vice fans. Okay. okay. <laughs> good, 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 good. That's a good strategy there, Tom, <laughs> for this film. Well, let's t- Tyrese Gibson, really wonderful actor. Let's talk about a little bit about his character and how he came to this project. Well, Tyrese plays the role of Hugo, who's basically one of the key main chief assassins, part of the collective. He's the guy who gets things done when they need him to get done. But on this particular mission, he's going to take on a bit of an apprentice. So it's fun to see the relationship between him and the Lucas Till character, which we'll talk about Lucas, I'm sure, in a little bit. But what I loved about working with Tyrese is, again, I've grown up watching Tyrese movies, seen his whole career, but his amazing career he's had, not even talking about his music work that he's done, but just his work in front of the camera. And he's done a ton of action movies. So it was very important for him to get the fight sequences to be very authentic. And I remember him telling me right off the bat, like on day one, like, Tom, I don't want to be doing a 17 hit combination with a spinning back fist. I'm going to see the bad guys. I'm going to punch him in the face. I'm going to knock him out. And I was like, perfect. I love it. And it really helped to kind of just simplify things. And again, he was all about authenticity and, and making those scenes real. And, you know, not that I'm, I'm this tough guy or anything, but I've seen quite a few real fights in my life. And usually one or two punches is all it takes. It's not this big, like, four-hour fight that happens. So I, I really appreciated his dedication to authenticity. Right. And I do also, as a viewer, I appreciate that you didn't elongate and make these fight scenes unrealistic. Let's put it that way. That they were realistic. And, and that's really important because, you know, we become immune after a time. We see a lot of action films and there's so much in all of them. And in you, after a while, it's just like, oh gosh, you know, it's just too much after a while. So I liked the minimalist way that you approached the fight scenes in this film. I think that was um, a, a very good choice to do that. Thank so you. congratulations on that for sure. All right, let's talk about Lucas Till, who is actually the main character in this film. Lucas is our quarterback for yeah, sure. He's yeah. the number one guy and uh, it was such a pleasure to work with him. I obviously never worked with him before. Got a chance to watch some of his stuff before we started to work and, and really kind of study what he brings to the table. And and of course, when I read the script, the Sam Alexander, the main character, he's doing an awful lot of butt kicking and fights a lot, a lot of physicality. And I said to myself, man, whoever plays this character is like actually got to kind of be able to handle themselves a little bit. So it was great to see on day one, I'm working with Lucas and our stunt coordinator and he took to it like a duck to water. He's already had some previous training. He's done Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's trained martial arts. He's got some experience with firearms and things like that. So not only is Lucas an extremely talented actor, but as far as the physicality, he really nailed that as well. Yeah, and he's not what you would necessarily think of as the superhero, because it's not a superhero, but as the character that can really kick butt as much as 
he does because he's not really overly built and brawn and all of those things in this particular film. I mean, he's very unassuming. Let's put it that way. So many of the he's, lead characters. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, you're right. He's very unassuming. And, but there's a level of confidence in his eyes yeah. where it's like he's this very projects this real gentlemanly energy yes. and confidence. Yeah. But at the same time, as much as he's a gentleman, he's got this look in his eyes where it's like if you did cross him, he will mess you up if he has to. So I thought that that was a really cool duality that yes. Lucas has. We're like, yeah, he does. Like, you want to introduce him to your grandmother. Like, he's such a nice guy. But then, like, when it comes time to use his fists, he can do that too. Yeah, I agree with you because it is more of a surprise. I do like the duality. Exactly that. He'd be the kind of man that, even though you didn't do it in this film, maybe in the next collective, who knows? Um, there might be a female character that he has to save. And he's the kind of man that you would want to save you. And you wouldn't assume that he'd be the kind of man who could save you. Let's put it that way. Because it's unassuming. His power in this character and this role is that yeah, well, he's unassuming. He's not the rock. It's no. Not like you're some like the guy or Batista coming in. Or to, to, to Claude Dodge Van Damme, whatever. You know, it's, yeah, none of those. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and I think part of that is what makes us root for him, too. The fact that, like, he does have to, you know, one of the early conversations I had with Lucas was, okay, this character used to be an attorney. He worked for the DA's mm-hmm. office. So Lucas and I were chatting about how, well, he's probably a really great talker. He's a silver-tongued kind of guy. So he's going to use that ability to kind of con people or manipulate situations. And, and I think you can see that on the screen where Lucas finds himself, his character finds himself in some situations that he has to be deceptive or he has to use his mouthpiece to get himself out of trouble sometimes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Again, what a wonderful thing. <laughs> you know, have some dialogue that maybe we can talk our way out of this a little bit. Then, And, you know, I think also the subject matter that you chose, that these are multi-millionaires, billionaires who are and we, we see this in the, you know, the news, we've seen it in the news over the last whatever, many years, who are doing things that are just so appalling, actually, you know, using their money in a, such an appalling way that rather than using it for good, they're using it for something that's really for lack of another word, I'm just going to say bad. And so that you chose that as your the nemesis in these films. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's right out of the news. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've all probably followed the Epstein case right. and things right. like that. And it's one, right. one of those things where as much as this is a movie and it's all fiction, the reality is this kind of stuff kind of almost, it happens. There are sick, sick people that have all this power and all this money. And it's awful to think about, well, what would happen if someone with all that power is to use it in a real nefarious way. And that's when you got to call people like the collective in to, you know, take out the trash. So yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where when I first read the script, those were the scenes that actually excited me the most because I was like, oof, it's nothing like you need to have lovable heroes and hateable villains. Yes, and what's more hateable than some disgusting billionaire that's going to abuse other human beings and think that they can just purchase them? I mean, really unlikable characters, right? And uh, what we love about that is we don't really feel bad when unlikable <laughs> characters die, do we? Now we actually get a excited. So it all works out for the film and the reality is, you know, not that we're trying to spread any, you know, this isn't really the kind of movie that like has a message. The credits aren't going to roll and you're not going to have this like aha moment of realization about something in your life. But the reality is, it's a little bit based in reality. This kind of stuff does happen and at the same time, if we can create some good bad guys and entertain you for 90 minutes, well, our job is done. Exactly. And let's talk about your main villain in the the film, the actor that played him with his name 
and uh, let's talk about him a little bit because he was so good. Yeah, Paul Ben Victor, or PBV as I affectionately call him, uh, he's a wonderful guy and just such a, a multi-dimensional actor. You know, he's he's told me he's done a lot of different things. He's been a tap dancer before, and I started to really chat with him and learn about him. And then I got these ideas. I said to myself, "Well, these billionaires, right? They're so wealthy that celebrity doesn't really excite them. They could have Elton John show up and play at their Christmas party. They got the money to do that, but his character, this sick maniac who sells human beings. Now that's a celebrity they can get behind. And I said, when you're on stage, people come to these auctions, these human auctions, not only just to like sick that they are by people, but also to watch you and your mm-hmm. showmanship. Mm-hmm. When you're on stage, you're basically the missing member of the Rat Pack. You're like Frank Sinatra. And the second I told him he's like Frank Sinatra, a bell went off in his head and he got really excited. I can tap dance. I can dance. I need a tumbler. I need a rocks glass with brand with uh, some, some bourbon. And, and he just, once I gave him that little nugget, he just ran with it. So I loved working with Paul Ben Victor and he should be in everything. He's oh, such a great actor. Yeah. And you know, I've seen him in a lot of things. You know, it's just, just his name is not that familiar. But as soon as I saw him, I said, like, oh yeah, I've seen him in quite a few things. And he is, he is, he, you could just tell. I, it's always fun to watch actors, uh, just in general, watching them. But this one, this actor, you know, um, this Paul Ben Victor, just relished his role. And you could feel that, you know, watching him, that he was just having a great time doing what he was doing. And that made it fun to watch, even though he was, you know, evil. It made it, it made his character more interesting because he was fun to watch doing it. Did you feel that when you were filming it? I was having a ball. Yeah, I really was. And, you know, as far as, you know, every actor is different. And that's kind of what I love about acting. It's almost like, yeah. you know, coaching a sport. It's like every player is going to act a little differently and react to a different style of coaching. Well, Paul was very receptive to me just kind of shouting ideas out and he'd just kind of run with them and he was very flexible and he was giving me a lot of ideas and, you know, some actors don't want to do that. They want to maybe just have a little private sidebar and then go do your thing. He told me, Tommy, if you see something that you want me to do, just yell it out, just shout it out and I'll do it. What what do you want? You're the boss. And it was really nice to have that level of respect because especially veteran actors, a lot of these right. people will come on set and, and, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll listen to your direction, but I'm probably just going to do it my way, if that's all right with you. Whereas Paul was all about really kind of caring about uh, what I had to say and implementing it on the screen and then taking it to a whole new level because he's got all this talent. Right, right. No, it's it's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun movie. I mean, you know, it's, it is what it, you know, what it's about, but it's a fun movie. Uh, to say that, you know, it's, and that's what you want to go. You want to be, when you go to the movies, you want to be entertained. And there, even though you say it's not a message film and it's not a message film, but there is in a way, you know, there's, there are things that, um, you know, are in it that are, you know, you know that you, 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 for us to think about a little bit more too, in a way. You know, so it was. It's it's a it's a good fun summer movie for sure, for sure. Where did you film this, Tom? This was filmed mostly in the Boston area, in, in, in you know mostly you know, a couple towns right outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Okay, so and how long was the shoot on this? Well, to me, that's like one of the most interesting things. People are shocked when I tell them we shot this whole movie in fifteen days. Three, wow. three five day weeks, just boom, banged it out. Uh, wow. So it was it was an incredible pace that we had to work with. One of the days, the day of the human auction, uh, that was like a seventeen hour day almost, where we just we knew that we only had these actors this one particular day. It had to get done. That was like our hail mary pass of the whole shoot, just like finishing that day. 
but you know, part of that's just a, having a really great crew and really prepping hard. You know, like I pride myself on my prep work. Uh, you know, I've never been one of the smartest people. I've never been one of the most talented people in the world. But there's no excuse to not be incredibly, absurdly overprepared with right. what you bring into the table. So for me, the second I got the script, I only got the script about two months before we started shooting. Really? And yeah, and it was just like literally eight straight weeks of me with my head buried in the script, making notes and and really like strategically planning out every single shot in the movie before we got to set so that I knew we only had 15 days. There's, there's no time to think. There's no right. time to talk about what we're doing. We just got to be doing what we're doing, you know? Right. And no rehearsal time either, probably, with that kind of No, the only shoot. thing we did get to rehearse, which I'm so thankful of, and this is the first time I've ever gotten to do this on a movie, uh, we got to rehearse the fight sequences with the actors and the stunt performers in advance, like on days okay. we weren't shooting, which was really great. And it's also safer that way because the reality is you can get hurt, even yeah. if you're play fighting. People mm-hmm. can still get hurt. The right. timing's wrong. Somebody accidentally gets hit. So we did have a chance to really prep those scenes nicely. Well, I can't. You only got it two months before you started shooting it. How did that happen? Usually, you have a lot more time. Well, you know, it was an opportunity that just kind of came my way, and uh, you know, I quickly kind of jumped on it. You know, like I said, uh, you know, producer Richard Switzer called me, and this whole thing kind of came together really fast, and you know. Uh, Sometimes I'd prefer that, to be honest with yeah. you. You know, sometimes you're in these situations where you got like a year in advance and you can almost overthink the situation right. where it's nice when someone's just like, hey, you got to be ready in eight weeks, okay? I'm like, all right, let's do it. And then you do it. I mean, it, sometimes when we have, to, yeah, right, exactly. When we have too much time, so, ah, I'll do that another time. I went off to work that hard, you know, because I have right. time. But when you only have two months to prepare, then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, let me get this done. I have to get this focused and do it. And- well, I was afraid, to be honest. You know, like I, I always work better when I'm a little scared. Yeah. And and I read the script, and it was a very ambitious script to shoot in 15 days. So I was a little terrified, mm-hmm. and I was like, "How am I going to do this?" And I was like, "Well, you better know exactly what you're doing every second of the way." Uh, and that's why you know, just a couple months of really hard prep paid off a lot. Yeah. No. Did you did the cast um, come to you also with the script, or was were you part of that casting process? I, I I didn't cast any of the major players. You know, that was all uh, a product of, you know, uh, Yale Productions, Dawn Light, uh, Dawn Light uh, Entertainment, you know, Richard Switzer, our producer, Jordan Levine. You know, they brought the cast in. Uh, I cast some of the smaller players. I don't want to say smaller players. That's what they're they're going to be mad at me now. Yes. Uh, but some of the, the supporting, more day supporting, roles. Supporting. Yeah, supporting. Supporting characters. Thank yeah, you characters. very much. Uh, there, there's a Great, great character uh, actor by the name of John Fiore that I've worked with before. He's been in The Sopranos and a bunch of things. And he played like one of these other kind of eccentric billionaires, a gentleman yeah. who's got was, a little southern accent. He and was good. Came. Yeah. And he was fun to work with. Yeah. And that's a guy that I've worked with a bunch of times. And, you know, I, there's, a, there's a handful of character actors that I tend to cast in almost every one of my movies. And I, I almost like look for the opportunities. So John's one of those guys. Uh, Michael Zucola is another actor who played the whistleblower. Uh, you know, these are people that have kind of been in my uh, Rolodex for a while. And any chance I get an opportunity to plug them in with all these big stars, I, I always love to do it. That's that's great. I mean, I, I've heard that so often. And, and, of course, we see it with some of the major, you know, Scorsese and and Spielberg, who they love working with certain actors. They become part of their their team and their go-to actors that they like to work with. And, and, and also, 
independent filmmakers that I talk to are the same thing. You begin to get a team together that, you know, your, your craft team, uh, your cameraman, your, you know, your composer, all of that. You start to develop this secondhand rapport with them. And then those are the people you want to work with because you don't, it doesn't take as much time to kind of figure things out and everybody's personality and how to work together. I would assume that would be the same way for these actors that you've chosen to work with in the past. You are 1000% on the money. You know, that's really what it is. Like you, you just said it all. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I play a little music sometimes. I like to play guitar and stuff like that. And when you play music with musicians that have played with you before, you know, their tendencies, you know, Oh, he's probably going to switch to that chord. Now let's go into this key. So it's just like playing music, you know, it's really fun to bring in the same players. And I kind of, right. I already know what sound I'm going to get out of that. And, and I'm excited for it. So, uh, yeah, I love, I love repeat offenders. <laughs> oh, I like that. Repeat offenders. <laughs> repeat offenders, I call them. So is, I mean, when I watch this, obviously you left it open for a possible sequel. Is there a sequel on the horizon or do we have, do you have to wait and see how this one does? Well, I can't say for sure there's a sequel on the horizon, but I can say that there is other forms of evil on this planet that yes. the collective will undoubtedly have to stop. I, uh, I, you know, they didn't uh, they didn't save the world on this mission. They just took down one faction. So, uh, yeah, I would I would love to play in this world again. I would love to revisit these characters and, uh, you know, see what good old fashioned, uh, you know, action movie version of a sequel we can make with this thing yeah well i i, I as i said i i think it's it's a fun movie it's a as i said a fun summer movie uh we're always looking for good movies to go see during the summertime of course we've got some big ones out right now but um you know that are doing great in the box office which is good we like to see that happen and because as we all know movie theaters have suffered uh through the pandemic and onward and so we want people to go back to the movie theater that's what this film this show is all about getting you back into the movie theater to see uh wonderful fun films and this is one you know just to go not have to think too much <laughs> but just have a fun uh time at the movies yeah, this movie's not homework by any means. No. You know, this is uh, just an enjoyable film, and we're hoping that, you know, whether you had a good day or a bad day, if you watch this thing for 90 minutes, right. you're going to walk away with a little bit of entertainment and a couple things to maybe chat about, as they say. You know, I, lo I love the conversations. One of my favorite things about movies is the conversations that you hear as people are walking out right. of the theater. And, you know, what are people chatting about? So right. there's definitely going to be a couple things that you can chat about when you walk out of the theater on this one or when you, you know, put your remote control down if you're watching it streaming or whatever it is. Um, but I'm excited for that. And, yeah, I think, you know, you, you mentioned something really exciting, too. It's one thing to watch something by yourself, but there's something about watching a film with an audience full of people that are complete strangers and totally. taking part in that experience. Yeah. It's a special thing, and, and I hope that that never goes anywhere. I, you know, I totally agree. It's so different watching it in in the movie theaters. It really, truly is. So, Tom, where can people? Where our time's running out. Where can people see the collective? People can see the collective on Apple TV. Uh, it'll be on various other streaming platforms. Uh, I, w I would say just you know punch it in your Google machine, watch the collective and <laughs> you'll get a list of places to watch. It's so funny. Now, when I first started doing this, you'd be like, watch it on DVD or watch it here. Now there's 5,000 platforms. Yeah. So it's 
kind of just like, yeah, Google it. You'll find it. But find I know for, for sure Apple TV is, is showcasing it. Great. Great. And I love Apple TV. So it's a, a good place to see it. But if there, if it's in the movie theaters, go see it in the movie theater. Tom. Yes, it will be playing in some select theaters. And uh, if, if there are any movie fans out there, I have a weekly podcast called And Action every Tuesday on my YouTube channel. Just punch in Tom DiNucci into your YouTube. I'll, pu- I'll come up. And every Tuesday at 11 a.m., we talk about a various topic uh, in the world of film, and they're all specific to experiences that I've had and movies that I've worked on. So check out And Action Filmmaking Podcast on Tuesdays. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Everybody check it out. Well, I wish you much success with The Collective, and thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Yes, you too. Thank you. To all my wonderful, loyal listeners, your love of film allows me to do what I do. If you want to support me, the best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, on YouTube. Subscribing matters. If you are feeling really compelled, I want to hear from you. Have a burning question, comment, or review? Drop me an email at thejampriceshow.com. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.